This is Van Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air for the first time with Alita Mitchell Blackwell. Thank you for being on the Van Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm so good, Phantom. Thanks for having me tonight. Let's do this. I want to thank you for, again for being on the podcast and uh want to let people know that we're actually, you know, we've been on the air for a while, um, since 2016, and we're actually at episode 987 of the podcast. We've been on the air since 2016, tracking that on Apple Podcast. We're getting closer to episode 1000. And then we want to let people know that we've got your website up for those listening, uh, lanitamitchellblackwell.com forward slash books. That'll be fully clickable as a URL when we're published on all the platforms where that we're on. But for those of you listening, uh, that's lanitamitchellblackwell.com forward slash books. Now, if somebody clicks on that link, uh, what do they see at that URL? They will see all of the books that I've published. So my latest one, Live Life on Fire, which was here on my right. Um, and it's all its versions. So Audible, Kindle, paperback, as well as hardback. And my previous four books. So that's Knock Down, Set Straight. Empire Builder, Leading Lady Legacy, and Leading Through Living. Well, we want to let people know that you know we encourage people to click on the URLs of the guests that we have on the show, and you click on that, and you can get into uh, all the the books that you've written, and uh, that's that's really a cool, uh, good way to start with every person that we talk to is a deeper dive by clicking on their URL. I want to also let no, people know that we are a feature podcast on the Newsly platform. So if you listen on Newsly, see that icon up there, and if you use coupon code uh, for our listeners tonight, Ghost, you can get one month free premium subscription. So I want to get into the heart of what we're going to talk about today. We've got your topic, the keys to living a life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. Yes. And uh, we can kind of start there um, because you're an intuitive business coach. Uh, you you um you uh, have a award-winning law firm and publishing house, and you're a CPA and ordained thought minister. You have a lot of hats, and um, so like which book do you want to start with? Uh, your latest book, the ultimate successful successful life with peace, joy, and fulfillment. Is that the book that you want to talk about tonight? That is the one. Live life on fire: the ultimate guide to a successful life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. So I wrote this book as a culmination of realization that I had to stop living for stuff, that there had to be some other definition of what success meant. And I wrote it not just for me, but for people like me, which is almost everybody that I talk to, Phantom, right? <laughs> because most of us were encouraged by, it seems like the same loving community. We were told that if we worked hard, that we would get a good job and we would make money and we would buy all the things we ever wanted and live happily ever, ever after. Well, the problem was ever after never stayed, not for any of us, right? Because we get the things that we say that we want, house, car, clothes, money. But then at some point we're like, but what else is there? And so then we work hard again. We make money again. And then we get more stuff again. And then we're not happy. 
So it's not really happiness that we're trying to get to. What we're trying to get to is joy. And mm. I, I got to that realization because I had a beautiful life, Phantom. I really did. I um, had wonderful parents, community support system, married to a wonderful man, beautiful daughter, right? And I have achieved everything pretty much that I put my mind to. The problem came because I learned to define those successes and the things that came with them as part of my self-worth and value. And so I got to a place where I would do just about anything to hear somebody say, oh, Lanita, you're just so fantastic. I'm just so happy to have you as part of my team, working with me on the board, whatever it was, right? And I was working nonstop. And it didn't matter when my hair started falling out. And I'm not talking about like breaking off. I'm talking about there were clumps. I just covered mm -hmm. it up with wigs. I kept going even with my nails split. I just covered that up with beautiful acrylics. I mean, I was blinged out, right? <laughs> um, and it did not register with me that I had to make a life change until literally my six-year-old daughter at the time found me passed out in the middle of the floor from exhaustion. And I was too tired to get up. And so she put a blanket over me and kissed me on the forehead goodnight and put a pillow under my head and said, Good night, mommy. And the only thing I had strength to do was to say, good night, baby. And I would love to tell you that that was the pivotal moment and that everything shifted and changed. And But that's not true. And for most folks that I talk to, it doesn't work that way. It is a, a, a shift in mindset that has to occur and it takes time. And for me, it took a couple of years. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed with stage four endometriosis and had fibroids the size of grapefruits and was bleeding through my clothes that I re realized that I had to get external help, that this was not something that I could handle for me. And so I hired a performance coach and we made a list of everything that I was involved in. And Phantom, I was, it was seven pages, single space. And she was like, we got to get this down to two. <laughs> if you're serious about making a change, this is the change. We have to scale this down. And so step one in that um, successful life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment was to actually have time to be peaceful, joyful, and fulfilled. And so that meant that there were things that although I love to do, and that were all positive because at this point in my life, you know, I was not fooled up with anything that was messy or caused me drama, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it was not necessarily in line with who I was, what I was, or how I served. So therefore my life purpose. And so those things had to go. Which then led to the second thing, how do we then define what success means? And so that took a little longer to come up with because it required me to go back to the beginning of how I learned about success. And like most of us, we were given someone else's list and said, here, achieve this and check off these boxes and you're going to be good to go. And so I was like, well, this is not my list. So that means I need to create my own list. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's what I did. And so I shifted from living a perfect life, which was somebody else's standard and checking somebody else's boxes to living an excellent one. And that was creating my own list, my own standard and giving myself grace for that standard to shift. So that's the next thing we have to do. We have to give ourselves grace, ourselves grace, because what's excellent now in my forties isn't going to be so in my sixties and it surely wasn't in my twenties, right? That is going Mm -hmm. to change over time, which then led to, okay, now we've got that. So what is it? What are the things that make you now feel successful? And for me, it was peace. So actually being good with just being by myself and being silent and not being all over the place and busy. And as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we are taught, at least initially, we have to be on the ready. We have to say yes to everything because boy, that one room that we're not in, that's going to be the one. If we're not there, we're going to miss it, right? (laughs) And to release that because it's not true. What's for us is for us and it will come when it's supposed to. Then joy, finding things that were internal because joy is an inside job. So from shipping, shifting from happiness, which was experimental and experiential, it meant coming within and deciding what are the things that I am grateful for? What are the things that no matter what is going on, I can tap within and still feel the euphoria from those things, from those thoughts, those feelings. And then fulfillment. And I and I and I pause here because many people think, Phantom, that fulfillment is just being satisfied and just laying down and saying, okay, I made it, that's it. But that's not it. <laughs> fulfillment is actually being joyful, joyful, peaceful. And, and loving with everything that you have right now, but still being able to see that there is more to do, more to have, yeah. more to enjoy, more to share, you know? So that's yeah, it's like you're never done. Be. Exactly. Well, I think, no. Yeah. But a lot of people think when I get this material thing, then I'm going to be satisfied. If I get this certificate, then I'm going to be satisfied. If I fill this room, I'll be satisfied, but then they're not. And they keep on finding more things to do. And being a poet and a songwriter, one thing I learned is is the space between the notes. Yes. And then also the quiet. Like if you if I'm a creator, like you can see all my synthesizers and keyboards behind me. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's important to like not hear the noise, to actually have the quiet. And sometimes I'll walk out of this room. You go, I live in New Hampshire and go out in the pines and walk, take a walk on a trail, river trail, not be connected and kind of just let nature be the cathedral, right? And I feel that sometimes it's at that peace and meditation and breathing exercises and things that disconnect you from all the noise and all the alerts and all the things that people are giving you that a lot of times that I've talked to artists, a lot of artists, they say when I wasn't planning, when I wasn't like in a hyper state touring or having all these engagements, my big best ideas came when I would, there was quiet and it wasn't for 
magnetic that that I was able to kind of have peace and something came to me and I was a channel and I could feel it. And I feel like there people in their lives can find that kind of peace and we all can kind of connect to that if they're willing to not be on that train of noise and connections. I think I understand what you're saying with, with the way you found it. Uh, and I, I like your analogy being on the train because this really is a journey. Um, you get on and it just continues and you have, your joy is going to come from loving the countryside, loving the changes as they come, because there's no point, no two points that are exactly the same as you're going through this life. I also feel that there's a there's a tendency today for perfection, and I'm kind of, I'm old school. I'm a child of the '70s. Oh yeah. And so I use a lot of old school things that aren't perfect. Yeah. Yes. Right. And so you actually have to play it. You can't sample it. You can't cut it. You can't AI it. You have to actually just put it down and it could have microtonal errors or happy accidents or a little off key. But that's the nature of being a musician is like you let it be and it's not always perfect. A lot of times it's a happy accident or the thing that's a little different that actually in jazz that like guys like Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock talk about it. It's kind of this living in the moment, being present. And then when that, that, that wrong note hits, it's not a wrong note. It's the next song. It's the next thing you could do. And a lot of people are spending so much time trying to correct the wrong note or thinking they're going to hit the wrong note Mm -hmm. when there are no bad notes. That's right. how How you respond to them shows people who you are. A lot of times, Musicians will hit those so-called wrong notes and you never knew they did because they were able to play it off and yes. actually recover. And it's how you recover from life's bad notes that I think is how you can progress. I totally agree. And you know, when you were talking about perfection, um, that's part of the shifting of the standard, you know, um, because Perfection, if you look it up in the dictionary, it really is meeting meeting or exceeding standards, but those standards are ones that someone else gave you. And in your analogy with these notes, even the ones that are played wrong or incorrectly, they're yours. And so that's your opportunity to create something new and a standard that is yours. And so when you're playing it off, you just created something that was unique and worthwhile to you and your experience, something that no one can ever take from you and that will forever and always be part of who you are and how you show up in the world, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think it's called the flow state. Like I talk to a lot of creative mm-hmm. people, poets, authors, musicians, painters, and you know, you can have an intention. But a lot of times you get in this zone, in this in this flow state, kind of stream of consciousness, where you have to trust yourself as a creative person or a human being. You trust what you are capable of. And a lot of times I find that people don't trust what they're capable of, and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of like um, hesitation to present your authentic self. You think you have to clone something. Like you have to clone or copy what existed before 
that your original idea might be put down or haters and people don't want it. And, and that, that, that's where a lot of things stay inside. They, they probably need to come outside. Yeah, I absolutely agree to that. And, you know, talking about the flow state, that is actually the last section of my book because I state in it that there are three other states that you have to get through to get to flow. And we all have them. We just might call them something different. And so for me, it was meditation, breathing, silence, the silence between the notes, right? Which then bring you into flow. And flow allows you to tap into your intuitive intelligence. And the intuitive intelligence is a, a state that is beyond the intellectual, which is books, the emotional, how we relate to people and situations that occur. The spiritual, our understanding of a being that is outside of us and how we relate to it, and the aggregate being all of those together. So once you are able to really tap into that aggregate, you can then move into intuition. And that allows you to go into flow. And flow appears differently depending on your profession, but it always comes from the same place. And that is a mm -hmm. place of knowing. So this is not a place of training. This is not a place of book knowledge. This is a place of walking into your, your spirithood, your personhood, where you just make decisions and take actions because they feel right. They just are. Mm -hmm. And you are able to perform at a level that by yourself as the human being, you never would, but in this state, I mean, it's magic. And you're able to- yeah, I think that's, to, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I think that's when people can tell their story, right? You know, you talk about, yes. like I, I'm, in, I'm in business, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, well, I'm a software designer and we deal with like the elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, sometimes we'll be doing something and we had a project and then we were supposed to do ABC and then we find like E, this thing that we weren't supposed to work on. And then yes. we got we like we got to pitch it to the boss and say, hey, you know, we're working on this, but we found this, and we think this is actually a better proposition. And then we have to make our pitch, and and we hope that we can um explain that sometimes that happy accident or this thing that we found out of our creativity actually is worth more worthwhile. And it's really about being able to com communicate. And I think a lot of people in their lives have these kind of moments yes. where there's something that you really should be, you know, looking at. Are you going to listen to it? Sometimes the universe gives you something and you're too scared to jump on it or you don't, don't know how to, how to like, you know, explain it to other people and then it never happens and you kind of miss the boat. And, uh, I think a lot of times it's, it's, it be kind of that intuition is knowing how, you know, I think a lot of people that really make it are able to have those moments and, you know, kind of align them and continue to progress because they can speak to that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, when you're talking about alignment, I believe that that can happen once we get to a place of not just understanding but being fully aware of how we want to show up in the world. And we, we 
are able to embrace that awareness when we put aside these ideas of what happiness is, what success is, because those ideas were planted there. They didn't come from us. And so we've got to uproot those things so that we can go forward and, and, and show up in the world the way that we always wanted to. Yeah, you talk about like, you know, the the ideas that were kind of like given to us. You know, I think everybody wants to fit in that box. Yes. Like I want to be able to have the house and in the in the in the family and the marriage and the successful job. And then sometimes it's like, well, is that really where you want to be? Right? Is is this what right. you really want to do? Like is this yes. your career as an attorney? You went and did it. Then you get there and you're totally unhappy. You go into the doctors and you go into the therapist and you don't like the thing that you spent most of your life setting yourself up for. Right. And, and I run and, into people like that and they're like, well, what do I do? It's like, well, right. They like, feel trapped. The kid, <laughs> you got to go back to what, what was the thing that made you happy? Yes. And maybe it was something that was other than that, but you were told that this is really it. So you yeah. push the other stuff down. And now you're finding like, well, I want to be an artist or I want to go and do theater or I want to go sail the world. I want to go, you know, help people in another country and be a, be, you know, into, into charity. And it's like, well, maybe that's not who I am now. Yeah. Do I have to be who I am now? Can I actually be who I want to be? The biggest breakthrough is realizing you can do whatever you want to do. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but that is the truth because you have done what you wanted to do up to this point. You wanted to check off those boxes. At this point, it doesn't matter why. It, this is claiming your, your power back and accepting that we are exactly where we're supposed to be based on the decisions that we have made and that those decisions, although we felt like we didn't have a whole lot of choices, we did have choices. And so once we embrace that, now we can move forward in power and then take the next step. If you're in a career that doesn't make you happy, you absolutely can change it. How do I know? I have several times. <laughs> My undergrad was in accounting. I did accounting for a couple of years. It didn't suit my personality. I'm pretty outspoken and I'm outgoing and I'm not a little bean counter, yes, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so I went back to law school and I, I now practice law. But even then I was like, there's something else I feel pulled to do. And so I wrote a book and then I started speaking and then publishing other authors and then a magazine and the media company. And Yes, eventually some of those things did wind down and I released them, but I have the experience of knowing that I did those things. They suited the time that they were supposed to, and then it was time to move on. And, and so that's what I would encourage your, your listeners to do as well. Honor the time that y'all had together, and then I release you in love. It's time to move mm -hmm. on to the next thing that will make my heart sing. Well, a lot of times it's like we're very creative people. Yes. And what I find with creative people is that you go through phases in your creativity. Yes. You go that's right. through phases of, well, you're, let me try this, let me try that. It's very experimental. And some people very frown on that. Like if you're a creative person, you tend to not 
fit the box. Yeah, because yeah. Because you tend to push to the bleeding edge, which means you're not actually gonna be in something that's a known thing. Like it's kind of an unknown. What yes. we call like in, in music, we call it like newfound sounds. Oh, like I newfound like sounds are like an idea of some new type of sound, a new type of genre. Like yeah. when bebop switched to to like um, fusion or funk is an amalgamation of like psychedelia and R and B and these are things that cross. So you get cross pollination and it becomes something. And purists will go and say, "Well, that's not it." Like jazz people say, "Well, bebop is jazz, and fusion yeah. is not." Yeah. And and so the people will try to tell you not to do it. Yeah. And a lot of times in your life, it's like, well, if I feel fusion, I'm going. That's where I'm going to go. That's right. And if I go out of that, I'm going to go into hip hop, or I'm going to go to EDM, or I'm going to go to trance, I'm going to go to whatever. It's whatever suits the material. A lot of times, as a as, as an artist, it's like whatever suits the material. This song suits the Steinway. This one suits like a Les Paul, or I'm going to use like a you know an ARP or, or whatever. I'm going to use whatever serves the song. That's right. It doesn't mean yes. I'm going to do what I did before. I'm going to do something maybe I don't really know how to do, but I know I need to do it to get there. Yes. And I think right. that type of mindset, the artist mindset, is kind of like, I believe that art mindset is in a lot of people, but they've been told they can't do it mm-hmm. because you have to be Beethoven, you have to be Prince, you have to be Hendrix, you have to be somebody, but you don't. You know, you, you can be you. You know, when you're saying you can be you, it makes me think about something that um, we've all heard, the every cloud has a silver lining, right? So I look at that cloud as an opportunity for us to rise up and be a better version of ourselves. And I look at the silver lining on that cloud, that's us. So every challenge disappointment even anxiety yes it's a cloud but that is also an opportunity for us to create something new to love ourselves better to embrace what is before us so that we can grow to the next great thing that's before us i I think life is ever evolving and that it's always expanding and that we have to evolve and expand to meet the the moment. Well, I think diversity is very important because I think sometimes we've been given these very homogenous patterns. Mm. Absolutely. Canons and we're told this is the canon, this is the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But what if somebody wants to be a modern day Mozart or somebody wants to go push the push in art and be better than Monet or better than this, better than that. But you know, you, you don't have to be just replicating the past. You don't have to just sample what existed or use AI to find the best prompt on something that was learned, which is something that was already existing. Yes. The idea that like today we have a problem because of social media that just because I get a billion likes or a billion views doesn't mean it's good. A lot of times, the thing that that doesn't get the most views is actually artistically more impressive. And so the problem is we get stuck into the popularity contest, which doesn't actually mean that it's right. Just because people like it doesn't mean it's right. 
True. Doesn't mean it's the best. Doesn't mean, and, and, and that's a problem because we get into this mathematical model and everybody thinks it's because of the, the number. That that means it's okay or it's better. And that goes back to the point of these external motivations, right? When we are looking at these numbers, we're happy when we've had a thousand likes, a million views. Then does that mean that we're sad when it was only five likes, 50 views? What about being grateful that we had a platform to put forth our art and that there are plenty of people who enjoy it and that share it gratefully? You know, that is the, the difference and the nuance between this happiness and joy. You know, I read this uh, statistic that said that 78% of people are willing to pay to feel happy. And it was not until I ran across a person just last week who I was trying to get her to understand that these experiences that you've paid for that that is not joy because it's unsustainable. If you lose your job and you're not able to pay for these experiences of being in the mountains and things anymore, then that means that you're not joyful. So that's happiness. And I, I just, mm. I couldn't get her there, you know? <laughs> and I was just like, it will, but, but Phantom, I'm telling you, it, it didn't make me angry or frustrated when she was dismissive about it because I was like, you'll get there in your own time. Yeah. In your own time. It's something people have to find because, like I mm -hmm. said, I can just, I live in New Hampshire. I can just walk in the pines. And nature is the cathedral of the famous, like, Victorian poem. But the idea, like, I really feel it. But, Phantom, uh, let's I, say well, that you couldn't walk outside. Could you well, then, still uh, find that place of joy? Could you get there? Because I like poetry. And it came from a poem. And, the and poem that was in your heart. That, that was, was already in my mind. heart. Because it there was you like go. A poem I read that, and I and I, I believed it, and I can physically walk there. But yes. like like art in itself, just being able to listen to Stevie Wonder's inner visions or songs mm -hmm. in the key of life, right? I, as long as if I can hear that, or even if I could read the lyrics or read a, you know, um, any of the great poetry from the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance. Art always kind of drives me. Yeah. So a lot of times art is free. You can go to the library, you can access it. You can get it off the net yes. for free. You can go yeah. listen to things. You don't have to have money. Yeah. And so if you can get, and also like meditation and, yes. and breathing exercises and calming yourself and, and thinking, you know, in a spiritual way where you start to, I'm a Buddhist. So connecting and, and, and reading, you know, my Buddhist literature and, just these are free things. These are things like meditation, breathing exercises, point point of my state of mind, quiet. Mm -hmm. These are things that don't oh, cost you any money. And if right. you and you can get a lot of peace out of it rather than having to go to the White Mountains and, and hike the White Mountains, it's gonna cost you some money to do that. Um oh, yeah. Go, you don't know, you know, yeah, I agree with that. You can do this inside your yourself. That's right. And if you can do those things inside before you go outside. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, if you can fix the inside, you can fix the, the outside. You can know how to deal with it. And so it's like, like a two-way street. Like, you know, everything's holistic. So there's multiple pillars 
to life. And there's, you know, there's a microcosm, there's a macrocosm, there's your internal, there's the external. There's a lot of things. A lot of people just want to fix one thing, but then they realize yeah, you're connected to everything. And yes. so you've got to kind of see the overall picture. And I think a lot of people miss the boat. They think this magic thing is going to fix everything. Usually one thing's not going to fix everything. There's like, there's a lot of legs to it and you, it's incremental. If you can That's, get 1% yes. better every day instead of trying to 100%, goes zero to 100. That's the problem. If you try to go zero to 100, you're probably going to have a problem. If you can okay. get happy with incremental changes, then you can be more sustainable. Yes. That's exactly right. And, you know, I, I love what you said about going from zero to 100 and trying to accomplish it in 24 hours. You know, weight loss is like that. If you do about a pound or two a week, it's sustainable and it is highly unlikely that you'll just go balloon up again later. But the times where I've just like, I'm going to lose 60 pounds in a week, you know, that's when it all just goes to pot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. Everybody tries to finish something fast. Yeah. You know, even like we get, like I'm out, I'm in design and we get these deadlines from managers and we told them, it's like, you can want it by the deadline, but you know, we live in a world where incremental agile development. So we can so-called give you everything day one. But it's really going to be day two to day 100 where it really gets realized where most of that stuff is going to probably show up on version 2.5, yes. not version one. That's right. And so if you tell people everything's going to be there on version one, that's not the truth. <laughs> so, so that's the problem. Sometimes they, 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 you know, people want to say that version one's going to have a hundred, everything. It's usually like it's going to be incremental. Like you're good, it, everything's incremental. It's, it's over time. And you, you know, if you, you know, it usually doesn't happen day one. So that's that's the problem. We have a society that wants it right now. They they want everything right now. Everything's got to be instant gratification. Got to be perfect. And I'm kind of into the happy accident. I'm into the less perfect world. I find a lot of beauty and imperfection. And and people are like, well, what's that? Well, how can that be? Well, because if you listen to or you look at art, you look at music, you look at a lot of st old school things, even like books from the, from the past. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are imperfect, but that yes. makes it makes it beautiful. Yes. And people are so into trying to make something perfect. Like, well, you're actually taking all the beauty out of it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the grace as well, right? Because if we're sitting here trying to be perfect and have everything in its place all the time, then there is no... There's no opportunity for grace for anybody else or for ourselves. And so when something happens, it all falls apart. It's not just this one part. You know, as, as lawyers, we create these contracts, right? And there's normally what we call a, a severability clause. And what it means is that if any of the other 50,000 clauses that are there in the contract fails for being um, no longer practical or impossible or it's now illegal, that the rest of the contract stands up. So it's built in understanding that we're not perfect. Well, what if we had that same kind of clause in our lives? That's what we're talking mm -hmm. about when we're talking about grace. 
yeah, be able to just take that one thing and say, okay, it's it's not perfect, it's not working out, but it doesn't mean that I'm horrible. It just means yeah. that in this area, I need some more work. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like 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 I like when I talk about music, it, it's like takes in the idea yeah. concept of music. In the past, like Elton John, it, you know, everybody knows him. He said that Yellow Brick Road, the album, everything's like third, yeah. fourth take. And everything today is like like the hundredth take. And yeah. he said there was something about the you know the grace of being able to release something on the third or fourth take and then not touching it again, saying, Well, that's what it is. Yes. That's a point in time, that's what this this song is. And a lot of times it was closer to the truth of what the songwriters really wanted to do. Agreed. That the further you get from the take, like you go to take 99, you started to second guess yourself. You start taking things out. You start saying, oh, I don't know if I really want to say that. I don't know if I really want to play that. And then it goes away from what the original idea the universe kind of gave you. Yes. It's now been altered because you kept on second guessing it to the point where you ruined it. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of times it's like the original piece mm -hmm. is so much better. And, and today we live in a world where the original pieces are usually not being shown. We're seeing yeah. way down the line ma ma monster revisions that I'm like, it doesn't feel like anything. <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I am encouraged though. I am seeing more and more actors being very firm about not allowing their entire being to be just whitewashed and changed yeah. into like perfection. Like I was watching uh, Blue Beetle today with my husband and we, I noticed the lead character who plays Jaime, that his teeth are a little crooked. And it just made me so happy because I'm just like, that's a normal person's mouth. And not having yeah, these pompers that are just like all yeah. even and yeah. they're all white yeah. and I just like, that's not oh a real gosh. person. No, that doesn't look like a real not. person. No. Yeah, that's the problem. Like a lot of times it's like we get these perfect images, like uh, influencers. Yeah. And a lot of our teenage kids have been a lot of parents have complained about the internet and influencers and body shaming. Yes. And and certain things where you know young girls and boys are being kind of body shamed by these professional influencers. They well, this is the ideal. And then people aren't allowed to be who they are. And and I think that that's where it's dangerous when you get to these kind of archetypal things that people want those, that that's the standard. Like, we can't have anything else. And I'm like, that, that's a problem. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And, you know, it's interesting because what you just described was keeping up with the Joneses. And I think it must have been about six or seven years ago, I did this keynote in South Carolina. And I told them, I was like, do you know what I found out about the Joneses? The Joneses were people who, there were two sets. One set where they had everything. And that's where the term comes up, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Mm -hmm. But then it was who the Joneses were trying to keep up with. They still had somebody that they were trying to meet. And you keep just up like, with, yeah. Yeah, so, so when does this end? When does this stop, y'all, right? It don't stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> So then you do like things that are not even real. Yeah. But it's like meaningless. It's like you go out and you look at what's getting a million hits 
or a billion views. Yeah. They're all using the same song. Right. So, like, millions of posts using the same song. So, like, from the cat video to the prank video yes. to the whatever video, they're all using the same song. So, what, what, what meaning is that? Like, you're so trying to be popular that you're all cloning the same thing for the yes. same 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And then being a creative person, and I've talked to other people who are kind of, you know, from the 60s or 70s, and we were looking at this like, well, how, how is that? What is that? And I understand the kids got different tastes. But the problem I have is they're not being exposed to individuality. They're being exposed to something that's trying to create these standards that are kind of like meaningless. They don't really add anything. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that is kind of mind numbing. And so yeah. when you're trying to be creative, what I try to push is like pushing the left and right brain to be at the leading bleeding edge of creativity. Yes. Which means you kind of get to a fearless state. But if you're just cloning and copying what's popular, you're not trying to be fearless. You're not trying to be original. You're just trying right. to belong. Right. That's a different thing. And we try to belong when we are afraid. And we have to get to a place where we don't pretend like fear is not a true and constant thing in the world that we have created because we have created a system to ensure that those who step too far out of the lines are punished either by being ostracized or by being ridiculed or by being impoverished and sometimes all of the above. Mm -hmm. But even in seeing that, there is a certain beauty and opportunity to tap into our uniqueness to bring that to the world because we were each created for a reason. And it wasn't to your point to make the same video over and over again, because that's what we're doing. And and I want to be clear, I'm not poo-pooing on the people who do it, right? I watch the videos too, and I laugh too. But then I go back to work. I go back to doing the things that I know that I was placed here to do to uplift, empower, empower, inspire, and transform. And so if you can't say that that work is it's doing that, then understand that that's a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with hobbies, but that's not your calling. That's not your purpose. That's, that's not why you're here. And if you're still looking for it, that's cool. But it's probably not going to be found in the cat video. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, the whole thing about diversity is like, you know, there's, I was one time in an organization, <clears throat> you know, being an African-American, I'm like, I had this executive tell me, that, oh, you know, you can have diversity of thought. You don't have to have diversity in ethnicity. You can have just diversity of thought. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm the only guy who looks like this, like me here. <laughs> so you're telling me you guys could not have me here. And you can have diversity of thought, and that's okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to challenge so, so, you on that, Phantom, right? So I have been in situations where I was the only, and, and particularly when I was younger, right? And I did not feel comfortable voicing my thoughts, my feelings, my impressions on the things that I saw. And I was quiet. Or I said something that went along with the prevailing view because I didn't want to be 
ostracized, ridiculed, <laughs> and then eventually let go. And so I would be impoverished, right? So in those rooms, diversity did not really happen because just because I'm chocolate and y'all are vanilla, that does not really create diversity. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. Because I, I pointed out that, you know, what I was trying to go and tell them is like, diversity of thought like really you you have diversity of thought what if i say you know something about like we're not really serving multiple communities because we don't have enough diversity in this room to understand those markets correct because nobody's comfortable actually checking that out because they're all in the same group they're all in the same club do they even know anybody in that area yeah right so so you know i got sent to to japan to, to, because I was willing to kind of voice that I, I wanted to try different things yes. and I wanted to be more accepting of things. So I was w one of these guys that went there and didn't want to just insert American <clears throat> business practices into the Japanese market. Yes. I actually looked at what the Japanese were doing and I told the executives, like, we can't just force the Japanese to do what we do in Simsbury, Connecticut. That's not going to work. This market is a totally different market. You can't really do what we do here. You have to understand the Japanese customer. That's right. And if you don't really, you can't just like, say, well, we're, we're American. They're going to love everything we do. It's like, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it, 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 you had to be in this mindset to challenge what they were going to do. Because they were, if I hadn't said that, they were just going to try to carbon copy what they were doing in, in the U.S. and do it there. That's right. Which wasn't going to work. But, that's right. But that's that's the problem sometimes. It's like having somebody with a diverse point of view can bring opportunities to the people who think maybe that doesn't. And I think but, there's so many, so many closed-minded people that say, well, they, they, you, you can't have anybody because you're not going to get any progress because they, you know, you're just helping them out. <laughs> They're not going to bring anything to the table. <laughs> and, you know, to have true diversity, there has to be ebb and flow. I have to believe that I have something to share and teach you, but also be open to, to receive it and to learn. And yeah. what many organizations miss is that they think that because they've set up these programs and they have these chief diversity officers that they are addressing something, but mindset has not shifted. You've learned nothing. You don't go yep. into any of these communities. You've not joined any of the organizations. You have not made any attempt to mentor, develop, coach, or any of the other beautiful words and terms that we've created to help somebody who does not look like you, live where you live, serve where you serve. Then, then your diversity objectives are not being achieved. And I'm going to tell you, those companies who don't get it, they are going to be left on the sidelines because not only this country, but the world is becoming browner. Yeah. And that's just the truth of what is happening here. And if you're not willing to learn, to share, to grow in your understanding of how other people experience life, then you're going to be left behind. One of the reasons that I chose the seminary that I did, Kairos Institute for Progressive Spiritual Study, is because of the study of all the major religions. We mm -hmm. studied Christianity, yes, but 
we spend a lot of time on Buddhism and Hinduism and the Jains and the Sikhs and Islam and Judaism because there are huge segments of the world who practice yeah. these religions. Yeah, the whole market. Like if you're just coming from one point of view, this is kind of what I was trying to tell the people when I was working, that they were coming from this kind of, you know, Western mindset that mm -hmm. was maybe one type of religion and not understanding in Japan, you know, Buddhism and Shintoism, other types of Eastern culture and different mindsets in terms of what is, uh, you know, what will work in that, in that market. Yeah. The understanding of how people think and different mindsets from different perspectives. If you have a Buddhist point of view or a Shinto point of view, you have a different mindset than the Christian point of view. It's just, that's just Absolutely. what it is. That's right. And if you come in there thinking that you can do what you do here, there, it's, it's a lack of understanding. You can actually, yes. you know, you know, they make people not want to deal with you. Yes. <laughs> because yep. it's, it's blatant. And when it's blatant, it's like you don't even get it because they're they're very polite and they won't. And tell you, you don't care to get it. So it's disrespectful. <laughs> so you didn't yeah. even try. You didn't even try to do it. You didn't even try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the world is so global that yeah. you just because it works in in the East Coast, well, is that the only place you're gonna sell to, or are you gonna sell to the whole world? Right? You have to have an idea. You have to have the mindset that like your your whatever service or product you're providing can actually reach the whole globe now. So if you have a very narrow point of view and you don't have any insight into how other people live, you are not designing products for the only you're only designing for the products for the people that you know, mm -hmm. not products for the whole world. That's right. And that's where you know, you have to have very diverse teams. I happen to have the benefit of working with very diverse teams in, in software design from all over the world. We work with lots of people from different parts of the world and we get different perspectives yeah. because of that. And we learn all the time because of the different yeah. perspectives. And I think people who are in very narrow areas where they don't see anybody else, where they only see people look like them or people think like them, I can't, I don't think you can progress. In, in a multicultural global world in that mindset. And I think you have to be willing to have an open mind that goes two ways, you know, not just one way. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. But I think like you, there's one term you were talking about, burn down the old, old and building the new. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like you have to, like burn it down in some cases, or is it some more something that 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 doesn't? Well, I think certain things you do have to totally kind of reimagine and and get it out of. And I, and thank I guess you it's so maybe like is a case by case scenario. So at first, I have to thank you for that um, verbiage that you use. Um, because this is not like burning as in destroying, right? This is shift in the mindset. Because if you think you're going to do this work and then go back to the life that you had and that everything is going to conform to you, like what you were talking about with diversity, that is absolutely not going to happen. Once you have had this shift in how you learn, how you share, how you grow, how you serve, right? 
then your life is not going to make sense to you or anybody else who knows you and have seen this shift. It's not going to make sense anymore. Things have to change. Some things have to go. And that is the burning away. So if it's no longer consistent with how you show up in the world, your purpose in life, your mission, your vision, your values, those things have to go. I understand that they are positive. I understand that they're great networking opportunities. I get that you founded the organization. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. What I'm saying is they don't serve you now. And now is the only moment that matters. Because if you're not good for now, tomorrow, it might as well not come because you're in in no position to meet it. And so Mm -hmm. when we're talking about burning down the old and making room for the amazing, it means clearing the field. People who grow anything, they garden, they have an herb uh, plant uh, center in their kitchen. If you've ever farmed, It is a process of clearing the field and then planting seeds and then cultivating and stirring up the soil, watering, and then it can come. But first, things have to be removed. Nothing can happen until things are removed. Yeah. It's like like I have um, in my studio, I have these old 1970 synthesizers. Yeah. And you have to put the wires together like a telephone operator yeah. to come up with the sounds. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of a project, I'll just take all the wires out and start from scratch. So which means okay. it's not going to make any sound until I re I have to rework everything and create yeah. whole new patches of of sound design. Yeah. So I kind of I take pictures of the old if I ever want to come back to it. But I have to actually take everything and go back to square one and Mm. start all over again. And what it does is it creates like this kind of new world because like the last song was this world of sound and the new song is the new world. And every time you start, you come from a different place and there's millions of combinations. You have no idea. It's like a painting. You start mixing colors and we call it sound painting. And in, in different things start to collide and come up with new sounds from the colorization of the waveforms. And so I'm I'm very much into that. But it's a it's a very kind of point in time place. A lot of these compositions can't be recreated exactly. They when they get created, they're like that's what it was for that moment. And some people don't like that. They want to have something digital that they can recall note for note exactly the way they did it. Yes. I'm more into like, I'll let it be that point in time sound painting, which I can't necessarily recreate. I, I let it go. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to try to recreate that. I'm going to do something new. And yes. that is a different type of mindset. And a lot of people don't, don't like that because they're like, I need to have the comfort that I can recreate it note for note what I did before. Yes. Yes. And you know, it's, it's interesting because when we can't, tap into our own power and authority, that's when we get sucked back into wanting to replicate these other notes. But life isn't meant to live in the past. You know, there's this song, um, 
those were the best days of my life because mm-hmm. he's talking about high school and i'm like how sad is that yeah you you're are still, talking about you're still, still talking about that, that? oh my <laughs> gosh what <laughs> those are the best days of your life and you're in your 40s and your 50s no you're so good in high school i do better now like yes. that's the problem when you meet people like their best days were their high school prom days Just, i'm like oh that was like got- my worst time I do way better now. <laughs> I I can't say that. I I was I was miss high school. I loved it. I'm in my uh, high school call, um high school hall of fame. But I still love my life and my debt. My best days are now. They are ahead. I, I can't. I can't do yeah. that. <laughs> Some people like to get caught in that groundhog groundhog day, you know, mindset. Yeah, they keep right? on wanting to go back to this moment. Yes. So like they're they're like peak moment. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if that's your peak moment, it's like like what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? Because like there's a lot of other things coming coming down the pike and if that's the only thing that excites you that's kind of sad to me because like there's a lot of things you know being a cancer i'm a cancer survivor and so every day that i get up i'm, I'm happy that i'm i'm, I'm yes. here yeah and so if i was like thinking about like my best days with it well my best day is the next day you know or the day after that i don't know i'm gonna keep on pushing and it, i think it's like that kind of mindset you know is is, is, is hard because everybody's trying to be so um into the box everybody's trying to be so you know i gotta be this i gotta be that other people's expectations like you said at the beginning mm-hmm. how can you actually like you know kind of reframe your life to be you know who you are being like a authentic actualized person doing what you feel not doing what somebody else set the roadmap for you. You set the roadmap yourself. Yeah. So I actually have a blueprint for that. Um, the live life on fire blueprint. And when I give them to you, it's going to sound really simple. It's the implementation, just like anything else. It takes work. So the first thing is we have to focus on the people or the person in front of us and not the process. Sometimes we get so caught up in doing everything exactly the way that we were taught to do, that we learned to do, and that have, may have worked on the person right before, that we forget that the person in front of us is here for a purpose, that there is supposed to be an exchange, a flow of, of learning, of experience, right? When we embrace that moment to know that there is something that was supposed to be exchanged and it might not resonate with us immediately, it might take a few days, but if we treat the person across from us with all the dignity, respect, and attention, the mindfulness that we can, then we get what we're supposed to out of that experience and we don't have to play Groundhog Day as you so eloquently stated, right? The second thing is we have to get to a place where we are willing to leave it all on the on the field. Um, I very much admire most guys. They go out, they do their best, they get in a fight, and then it's over, right? Um, I have had to learn that skill because a lot of times I would hold things in, and that is what manifested as illness. It's dis-ease, disease, right? Mm. Um I I got to a place and I I tell people this, you have done the best that you could 
with what you had in the moment. And when it's done, it's done. Now, this is not to say don't go over it to reevaluate, to, to see places of improvement. I'm saying don't dwell on it. Once you've done that evaluation and review, take the good stuff, tweak the stuff that you would like, and then move on. Because mm-hmm. getting stuck there, it's going to drag you down. The third thing, which is related, is we've got to unstretch ourselves thin. Most of us are involved in way too much. You have work, you have your your community service, you have your civic engagements. Many of us have our religious organizations that we're involved in. We have family commitments, and then we leave ourselves last. Well, I need you to flip that around and put yourself first. And I know that sounds selfish, but hear me out, please. If you are not healthy, if you do not have good mental acuity, if your emotional state stays bankrupt, you can't be good for anybody else. Mm -hmm. You got to be good for you and then you can go out into the world and you stay good for you by consistently and constantly evaluating how you spend your time with whom you spend your time and then making changes as needed. The next thing that we do is we live a model life. And that model life is not for everybody else. It's great that they see it and that they're inspired by it and that they'll come and ask you what you're doing. Absolutely. But we're doing this for us so that we can be strong for our families, our communities, and everyone else. And it is a life that is built on excellence, not perfection, so that it can change over time depending on what we're going through at that time. And so that's the blueprint. Well, I think that's, that's a very planned. I try to, I think I'm in that kind of mindset where I try to live in a flow state where, yeah, you know, I, I kind of trust my intuition and uh, kind of go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not into total perfection. I'm more into like just, just trying to be excellent, trying to do the best I can do. And like you, you have a lesson learned, like you said, you look at something and then you progress, but you don't obsess about past, you know, idiosyncrasies or what you perceive to be failures. You know, you you learn and you, and you go forward. And a lot of, if you can get out of the kind of resentment of the past mistake to the point of, you know, embracing the future, embracing the present. And I think it also was important, like you said, you list like listening skills in an age, like, are you thinking about the response to somebody while, while they're talking, you're thinking about what you're going to say back to them instead of listening to what they're saying. Yes, absolutely. A lot of people are thinking about the next couple of things they're going to respond to instead of actually really listening to what the person is actually saying. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. But I want to thank you again for being on the Fam Liquid Ghost podcast. We actually hit the hour mark. It always goes by so quick. And, I know. Uh, it's just like, is this something I love to do? We've been podcasting for a while, and we're, we're going to continue to do this as long as we love to do it, and we still love doing it. So I want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Uh, we'll be fully published tomorrow. We are on um, YouTube and Twitch. We had an issue with the Facebook feed live, but that will be republish the Facebook. So you'll get a new link for that. 
Okay. But thank you very much for being on the podcast. And I appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you, Phantom. I appreciate you.